Once upon a time, there was a widow with two grown daughters. The eldest daughter was like her mother, arrogant, entitled, and judgmental. The younger daughter was gentle, kind, and humble. One day, the widow sent her younger daughter to fetch water at a well a mile from their home. It was a hot, sweltering day, and the daughter was about to help herself to some cool water when a weak voice said, may I have some? And right next to the well, there was an elderly woman leaning heavily on a cane. Oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't even see you there, the younger daughter said. Of course, please have as much water as you need. Immediately, the old woman straightened up and she said, because of your kind words, every time you speak, riches will spill from your mouth for the rest of your days. When the younger daughter went home, she told her mother and her sister what happened, and as she spoke, rubies and diamonds and emeralds and gold dropped from her mouth to the floor. Amazed, the mother said to the eldest daughter, go to that well right now and give some water to that old lady. So the older sister ran to the well, but the old lady was gone. Instead, there was a little girl throwing a ball for her puppy. When she saw the older sister, the little girl said, excuse me, could you please get me some water out of the well? The older sister huffed, how dare you address me like that? Who do you think you are? You're young, you get the water for yourself. The little girl's smile disappeared. Because of your cruel words, every time you speak, horrible creatures will spill from your mouth for the rest of your days. The elder sister ran back home and began to tell her mother and her sisters what had happened. But as soon as she began to speak, warty toads, slimy frogs, and slithering snakes dropped out of her mouth onto the floor. The mother turned to her younger daughter and said, this is your fault. Leave this house and never come back. Distraught, the younger daughter left sobbing, dropping jewels and diamonds and strands of gold as she walked. A prince happened to be going down that same road and he saw all the gold and stuff on the ground, so he followed it, and he found the younger daughter. When she told him what had happened, jewels and gold falling from her lips as she spoke, he saw that there was no other woman like her in the entire kingdom. So he gave her his finest horse and brought her back to the castle, where she became queen, and they lived happily ever after. The end. Sorry, the sermon's not actually done, though, so let's move on. But what a striking image that is, right? What our tongues are capable of doing is what we can see in that fairy tale. With these tongues, we can speak words of value, words of beauty, preciousness, words that bring wealth to the hearer. But on the other hand, we can use our tongues to speak words that are ugly, bottom-feeding, and slimy. So, Ryan asked me to come and visit you all and preach a message today um, in your series on Proverbs. Um, and since then, a few things, I, you know, I've been here for a little, I've lived in this area all my life, but I was in Connecticut a while back. It's really good to be back with you all and to see all friends. It was such a nice time to say hello. Um, but for those of you who don't know me, which I'm looking around, it seems like most of the people here. <laughs> I'm Emma. I used to be on staff here at St. Paul's. Um, my husband Jeff was an elder back in the day. Um, we moved back up to northern Massachusetts, um, to the city of Lowell, actually, if you're familiar with that area, about three years ago. And since then, a few things in our lives have changed. So we bought a home last year. Um, we're putting down our roots in that city. Um, 
I'm one of the pastors on staff at Harbor of Hope, and that's in North Chelmsford. We had our first child, a daughter named Clementine. She just turned a year about a month ago. She's downstairs in the nursery, hopefully behaving herself. Um, but seriously, it is such an honor to be here with you all. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I pray for this church. I'm so happy to see that you are all being really faithful to this area of Connecticut still. Um, and Ryan's pretty cool, I guess, too, so that's awesome. So anyway, Proverbs is a very interesting book with different kinds of wisdom. Um, this is a book of guidance. It is, as the series that you're in tells you, a book of uncommon sense because we don't get it right, whatever it is, fill in the blank. And this Sunday, it is the tongue. The tongue is a thing that we all use, but it's an extremely powerful thing that we use. As we see in Proverbs um, 18, verse 21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Life and death. <gasps> So these are very high stakes, right? We can all think of a time when we've experienced someone using the tongue to build us up, to encourage us. We received good news, right? We felt loved. We felt accepted by the words that someone said to us. But we can also think of a time when someone's words made us feel smaller, when someone's words made us feel sick to our stomachs, where we felt angry or distraught because of what someone said to us. And we know that we've done these things to other people. The ending of this verse in particular is either a blessing or a curse. If you love the tongue, you have eaten of its fruit regardless. And there's two fruits, two flavors, two types, right? You've either eaten the fruit of life on this side or you've eaten the fruit of death on this side. And it's funny, this sermon is on the tongue, but it would be crazy of me not to acknowledge the fact that we've gotten to a weird new stage in our evolution where part of our tongues now extend into our arms and our hands and out our fingertips into our phones, right? We text, we go on Facebook, Instagram, other kinds of social media. You know, this thing right here, this is the 21st century tongue, right? We can kind of acknowledge that. And we see two sides of the tongue on our phones too. We see that people share some personal stuff that they're having a hard time maybe, or maybe they're celebrating something or they're mourning something. You know, I see that on Facebook. I see people do the little love response thing to what people say, right? You click on that, or you have the prayer emoji, or you say that you care or that you wanna help somehow. There are definitely life-giving situations and conversations happening online. But, there is definitely a big but. The internet is not a place filled with lots of super life-giving, happy people affirming one another, obviously. You know, cyberbullying is a real thing. You know, real-life bully bullying, that's a real thing too, but online harassment and long comment threads with people fighting with one another, you know, that's the norm. That's what we're used to. We aren't surprised by people treating one another badly online. We kind of expect it. Part of it? is the political climate we're in. We are divided more now than ever before. It's been a very crazy year. I've done my fair share of unfollowing some people, do the things that they said on Facebook, and I bet some people have unfollowed me because of stuff that I said or posted on Facebook because it gets nasty out there. The kinds of nasty things that I cannot repeat on a Sunday morning from the church pulpit. But, in essence, we say things or type things like this. If you voted for so-and-so, you have no moral code. 
If you believe what so-and-so says, you must have half a brain. People that belong to that religion are dangerous. Well, this article says people from that area of the country are racist. People who act that way are shameful. I'm glad that that person is struggling because they deserve it. I hope those people suffer the consequences for their actions. They made their bed, now they can lie in it. Basically, if you're going to like that thing, believe that thing, even be that thing, I am going to hate you. We say that online. You know, we whisper it behind people's backs. Sometimes we say it to people's faces. That's the tongue at work. This is the world that we are in, this, and we're really in it, like for real. This is the situation. We open our mouths, we begin typing on our phones, and sometimes we have gold, silver, diamonds come out, and sometimes we have frogs, snakes, and toads come out. Words have power. And because words have power, the tongue has power. If you love the tongue and use it for words of life, you will eat the fruit of life. If you love the tongue and use it for power, you know, for the power of death, you will eat the fruit of death. This one thing, the tongue, is capable of great things and is capable of terrible things. We see these two sides to the, in Proverbs about the tongue and we see these fruits. Proverbs 15.4 says, The soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Or Proverbs 12.18, The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Both of these verses really get at the two sides of the tongue, the ways it can build up our relationships and how it can break down our relationships. We see life and we see crushed spirits. We see words that pierce, we see words that heal. It can be simpler, you know, to go through life in that reckless kind of way, maybe go through life kind of perversely, because that is kind of what works for us. To not have to worry too much about how your words might hurt or pierce like sores, that means less work. To be sensitive is a lot of work. Less sensitivity, less work. And you know, there's a lot going around these days where people sneer about others being sensitive snowflakes. Um, like that gives us a pass to not worry about upsetting someone else. And I'm not getting into partisan politics or anything. That's not what I'm talking about. But when someone asks you, who is different from you, asks that you consider things from his or her perspective, um, tells you not to use certain language to describe them because it's hurtful to them, it's not being politically correct. It's about affirming that this person is like all people made in God's image and that each person is worthy of love. Speaking words that soothe, speaking words that heal. But we live in that perverse age, an age that says, it doesn't matter if it upsets people. It doesn't matter if it hurts feelings. It doesn't matter if it says that some people, mostly people who aren't like me, are more, you know, saying that people who are like me are more valuable than those people who aren't like me. I'm going to refer to them and to their situation how I want to talk about it. And if they don't like it, they can deal with it. But that disregards Proverbs, what, the verses that we just read. That ignores that wisdom, the uncommon sense of speaking soothing and healing words rather than cutting and perverse words. The tongue can be perverse, wicked, and full of death. The tongue can be righteous, good, wise, and life-giving. It, in and of itself, is not a bad or a good thing. It is something that can be used for good or bad purposes. So, I love this meme. Caleb can put up this special meme. There we go. And I love it, not because it's like super deep 
or super new. I think it's about like 10 years old. It's not like this cutting edge thing. But I love it because that's me. I get hangry. And what's really funny about this is that this meme kind of passes the blame for being hangry, right? Like, I was a jerk only because I was hungry. If I hadn't been hungry, then I wouldn't have been a jerk. I wouldn't have said bad things. <laughs> the reality is, though, that being hungry doesn't make you a jerk. It might enhance your jerkiness, but it doesn't transform you. Like, you know, you're a kind of mild-mannered, nice person, and all of a sudden you were hungry, so you turned into, like, the hunger hulk, and you, like, went crazy, right? That's not how it works. If we say that our tongue made us say something that we shouldn't have said, we'd be pretty foolish, right? It would be like rear-ending someone in your car and then saying in your defense, well, hey, that was my foot's fault for pressing down on the gas pedal before it was supposed to, right? No, it's your fault, right? You were doing something, whether it was checking your cell phone for text or maybe you were too impatient when the light turns green and you had the, you know, foot of lead or whatever you call it, lead foot, there we go. Or you were too impatient when the light turned green, so you know you just went crazy. Whatever, you were singing a song and you didn't pay attention to that. Don't go blaming your foot. That was all you. Is that what's that funny noise that's happening? Is anyone else noticing that? Caleb, is, is it my necklace? There we go. Sorry guys. I just noticed I'm like, I hear something. Frogs. Oh, it's me. So in the same way that you would not blame your foot if you were driving around and then you rear-ended someone, right? That was your fault. Don't go blaming your tongue. All right. So if we can't blame our tongue, who is to blame? Where does this goodness and this badness come from, right? Well, in Proverbs 15:28, we read this. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. So where does the good and bad flow from? Where does the tongue get its goodness or its badness? It gets it from the heart. The heart of the righteous weighs its answers. The heart is what guides and controls the tongue. If it's a righteous heart, it will speak carefully. If it's a wicked heart, the mouth will gush evil. The tongue is not righteous. The tongue is not evil. Our hearts are righteous or evil. I find I often say this. I say, oh, I've got a bad mouth, right? But it's not my mouth that's the problem. I should say, I have a bad me, right? It's easier if the tongue is controlling the situation because that lets me off the hook. But that's just not true. The tongue is not the disease. The tongue is the symptom. Ultimately, when we control our tongue, when we're the ones in charge of our mouths, right, using it to serve our purposes, our desires, you know, our wants, our needs, me, 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 when we control our tongues, we speak at best Words that last a little while, they're kind of temporary but harmless. At worst, we speak words that lead to death, destruction, sadness, anger. Proverbs 10, um, 10, 19 tells us this, sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. I can think of like a hundred times where I could have totally de-escalated a situation if I had just said nothing. But it's like, I have to say something. I can't stop myself, whether it's out of insecurity or pride or anger. Who knows? But it's like, you know, the tail starts to wag the dog. You know, the tongue starts to control the human. It's like it has a mind of its own. In the New Testament, James, Jesus' brother, wrote this about the tongue. 
It's chapter 3, starting with verse 7. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. We haven't gotten control of it. And because we haven't gotten control of the tongue, we cause problems. The tongue is unwieldy. The tongue shows our innermost thoughts. Our hearts, our righteousness, or our wickedness comes out of our mouths. These are wise words. You know, these all make sense to us. These tidbits of wisdom from Proverbs, this isn't rocket science, right? None of you are like, I just don't get it. <laughs> what do you mean saying more and more words out of anger leads to sin? I don't understand, right? I mean, seriously, if we think about it, how hard can this be? One, shut your mouth at the, right at the wrong times. Two, speak up at the right times. Seems like common sense. But here's the issue. Just because it's common sense doesn't mean it actually happens. <laughs> I'd like to think that I have common sense. I'd like to think that I'm a nice person. I don't want to be the mean older sister who like, has toads and snakes coming out of her mouth. I'd like to think that I am the sweet younger sister with nothing but diamonds when I speak. I work at a church, and yet I cannot control myself. So we had a crazy month this past September at Harbor, um, the church I work at, with a whole bunch of events happening. We had like something big happening every single Sunday. It was just out of control. We were trying to figure out a date change. That's like the worst thing that can happen in that scenario where like, oh, we were gonna move your date around, so whatever. And I was stressed out, I was trying to think about it. Um, and my boss, who's the executive pastor there, she's a wonderful woman, definitely about making things happen, which is why she's the executive pastor, so it makes total sense. She was ready to have a decision ready to go, right? She was ready. And I was sitting there thinking things over, and she said, okay, so we'll change the day. Sound good? And here's my response in the moment. No, Kelly, I don't know yet. Just like that. In front of all my coworkers, you know, I was annoyed, I was stressed, I was frustrated, and out of my heart, my lips spoke. And they were not words of life. And yet, I knew this. You know that. Hearing that story, you're all like, why did you do that, right? You know I shouldn't say things like that. And you know you shouldn't say things like that. You know you shouldn't snap at people. You know you should honor and respect people. You know your words should be used to build people up, not tear them down. But we do it anyway. We like these Proverbs that I'm reading. You're probably nodding your heads, marking them in your Bibles. And we read them and we know that they're true. The soothing tongue is a tree of life. The perverse tongue crushes the spirit. I mean, which would you like to be, soothing or perverse? And yet, which person are you? These proverbs are important because we don't live up to them. We are unwise. We struggle. We are sinful. So we recognize that we need to change, that we don't want our mouths to run us, we want to be in control of it, and yet we see ourselves mess this up over and over and over again. So we're in a catch-22. We need to change. We need to have a better control over our tongues. We need to speak words of life and not words of death. And yet, even though we know this, we find we are incapable of doing it. Paul puts this well. He puts this struggle really well in these words in Romans chapter 7, starting in verse 15. This is what he says. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. 
For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. <laughs> this I keep on doing. <laughs> this is Paul, right? This guy wrote over half of the New Testament. He is wrestling with the same thing. He knows what's good, and he doesn't do it. The law, the rules, things like the wise words and Proverbs, they are not accomplishing this. He knows what's true, but he is helpless to do it. Don't you feel that way sometimes? So, what do we do? How do we actually do this? Do we just try harder? How do we tame the tongue and stop it from heading us down this foolish and evil path? Simple answer, we can't. We are not able to stop. We're like that older sister who, whenever she speaks, out come snakes and toads and frogs. We try to change what we're saying. We try to change how we say it. We try not saying anything, and the end result is the same. Frogs, toads, snakes. We can't, and we don't do this on our own. We need to have God direct our speech so that our words are filled with life and light. We need to have some tongue redemption. So, where do we find these words? That's the problem, right? We have terrible words, or the terrible words come back over and over and over again. They come from a bad place, and we cannot stop it. We can't stop it, but someone else can. There are better words, or, more accurately, there is a better word. In John 1, we read, starting in verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So how do we tame the tongue? How do we take these proverbs on the tongue and change? How do we become speakers of life rather than speakers of death? We need the word that was made flesh, Jesus Christ. We need the grace that he offers us. And so we surrender. We surrender our entire selves to God. We surrender our tongues to God. We surrender our hearts to God. We surrender our pride, our sense of justice, our anger, our exhaustion, our frustration, our impatience, our sadness, our confusion, our road rage, <laughs> all of it. We surrender it to our Heavenly Father. It's only when we give our tongues over to God that we can speak words of life. We are full of darkness, but Jesus fills us with light. You can keep trying to do better, to speak nicer, to stop speaking those words of death, but trying isn't enough. You can memorize every single verse in Proverbs, but it's useless without Jesus. If it isn't redeemed by the gospel truth that we are covered by grace, and that, then we will never embody it. We have God direct our speech. We need God to speak through us. And when we give our tongues over to him, we speak words of life. So, does that mean that those of us who are followers of Jesus have total control over our tongues? Well, no. Obviously, unfortunately, I wish. I think I'm a follower of Jesus, and I just don't get that right. I want to, but I can't on my own. But what does it mean? What it does mean is this. We need to return again and again and again to the word of Jesus, to Jesus and the Bible, invite him into our conversations. 
So how do we speak differently with God's help? We surrender our tongues, our words to Jesus every single day. The um, former lead pastor at my current church, he used to begin every single day this way. He would surrender everything to God. He would say this, God, I surrender to you my family. I surrender to you my job, my finances, my relationships. I surrender those to you, everything. He just lists them all out. And then that would end up framing his entire day differently. I think if we did the same thing, if every day we started off by praying, God, I surrender my tongue to you. I surrender my words. I surrender my conversations to you. Lord, I pray that people would hear you through my words. If we did that, I think God would answer that prayer. Our words would change. I think that's the first step. So surrender to God's work. But another easy step, dive into God's word. Read scripture and do what you're doing right now. Surround yourself with church community. That's where things like Proverbs come in. We can't become holy by trying really hard and getting better, you know, becoming like straight-A students. We can't do it on our own, but we should constantly be turning back to God in prayer and reading the Bible. It should become an everyday kind of liturgy, something that we practice. We practice being in his presence and being in his word. And we need to turn to other people, people who are wise, people who are a little further down in their journey, people who can speak into our lives. God speaks to us in his word, he speaks to us through prayer, and he speaks to us through the body of Christ, these people in the room with you right now. So it can be easy to rely on ourselves. I would prefer to do that. It's easy to rely on our own understanding, our own wisdom. That's what we like to do. But when we choose to follow Jesus, we're saying we don't rely on ourselves or our wisdom. We rely on God's. And that's why we need Proverbs. Sure, we are going to mess up. I guarantee it. But God shows us a better way through his word. And God's people show us a better way by loving us, forgiving us, even when we mess up, showing that love. We are new creations. We are no longer bound by sin, by destruction, by brokenness. We are not our own. We have been bought and claimed by Jesus, and our words are not our own. And that is a beautiful and hopeful thing. Our words are shaped by the love of Christ above all else. And you know, in this world that's so full of anger and division and hatefulness right now, that is wonderful news. That's really hopeful news. We can be voices of acceptance, of care, and of love at a time where we don't see a lot of that happening. Our tongues can speak words that soothe, that de-escalate the hatred and the clashes, that build rather than destroy the people around us. That may mean we keep our mouths shut sometimes, even if we want to open them. It may also mean that we have to speak up, even if we wish to remain silent. But that's what we're called to do. We are called to more. We are called to be light in the world. It's true. The tongue is uncontrollable and destructive. But if we surrender to God, he can redeem our words. He can make our tongues a source of light and peace. May we surrender our entire selves to his good work in us. May we allow him to use our words to build others up and to speak words of life. May we allow him to use our tongues to speak words that heal and soothe. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your Son, Jesus Christ. We thank you that our words are not the end, but your word is. We pray, Lord, that you would redeem 
our tongues, that you would, but ultimately, Lord, that you would turn our hearts of stone into hearts of flesh, that love and care and are redeemed and shaped and changed by you, because out of the heart, the tongue speaks, Lord. So change us. Get at the root of the problem when it comes to our tongues and turn them into something beautiful that build people up and point people towards you, Lord. We love you and we thank you so much for this beautiful day where we can worship and gather together in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.